As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Jack Ross rues another cup semi-final defeat. Levy Lions roar in Hamden, but will manager Martindale miss the big day? And will Rangers remain invincible? That's the big question. I'm Andrew Slavin, and recording this podcast on Burns Night, as we are, celebrating with me, we've got Laura Brannan from Motherwell Football Club. Hello. Hello. Sporting some excellent uh, 3D shades in our Zoom chat. Always good to see. And JJ Bull looking quite the pussycat in our Zoom chat right now from the Telegraph. Hello. I'm a lion, not a pussycat. You're a pussycat, mate. Trust me. Can you see it? JJ Lion. Today I'm JJ Lion. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've Roar. all just realised that we have um, filters on Zoom and we've just lost the plot. We're also about eight months behind everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we, it's it's Burns Night as we record it, so is anyone having haggis? I can smell mine. It smells magic. I don't actually like haggis. Okay. I'm a bit of a rubbish... I'm, for such a good Scottish person, I, I'm a really rubbish Scottish person on Burns Night. I... I've <laughs> but other Scottish right. produce like square sausage, totty scones, that sort no, of. No, see, no, I, <laughs> I've got this weird thing where right, I'm not really that big on Burns Night because I think well, we invented the telephone and the television and penicillin, but we'd rather just celebrate a poet. <laughs> so, yeah. nah, I'm not really into it. That's. I'm looking forward to John Logie Baird night. Um, JJ. I'm not having haggis, no. Okay, just me then. <laughs> well, let's quickly moving on. I don't know where you buy um, it around me. I live in London. I don't know where it is. Anyway. Oh, I've, ha- I've had it every year. Oh, um, I could have posted it down to you guys. No, that's all right. Yeah, Cure package. But, um, you've, Laura, you've not had a great weekend. Um, <laughs> 13 games for Motherwell uh, without a win. And you asked if we could talk 
about anything but Motherwell. <laughs> anything um, but football. <laughs> anything but well, you know, this is a football show, so we are going to do that. But God damn it. Um, we can we can start the show with something um that you were involved in in a film I shot at Glory. Uh Robert Duval and Ali McCoist. You were in this film, were you? Yeah, so this came from our um, chat, was it Saturday night when I was just in a huff and I was like, I don't want to talk about football, no more, no, I'm done, I'm done with football, um, let's talk about movies. Um, and then I randomly said, oh yeah, I was in a shot at Glory, did you know that? Um, I'm not some sort of Hollywood actor. and I Who don't did you have, play for? Well, I don't have an IMDb page either, so don't get too excited. Uh, I was in the crowd. I was a little dot in the distance at Hamden. Um, I was right. about 10 or 11 years old and it was my first ever football game. It was Rangers against Kilnocky in the Scottish Cup final because wow. they basically opened up Hamden and said, if you want to be in the crowd and you want to be in the film, come along. So um, I went and sat in the crowd with a bright yellow T-shirt on, hoping that I could be able to spot myself. <laughs> I've never seen this movie before, but I just read like the... The little synopsis bit on on this. It sounds like a Muppets movie. Uh, <laughs> fictional club Kilnocky. Their American owner, Michael Keaton. Not he's not really Michael Keaton in the movie. He's wants Batman. to move them. He wants to move them to Dublin unless they start winning things. <laughs> Come on, guys! <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> a great movie, JJ. You How have you it. not seen it, JJ? It is classic. That sounds like a Muppets movie. I'd like to watch it. Robert Duvall's Scottish accent is atrocious. <laughs> great singing, lads. It's great. If the other team looks like this in the last 10 minutes of the match, hey, we've got a chance. Oh. Am I interrupting somebody's wee plans here? It's worse than Mel Gibson's in Braveheart. Um, but it's still worth a good watch. Ali McCoist is okay in it. Annie has a sex scene. Annie's an, Annie's an ex-Celtic player in it as well. Ali McCoist. There's a few strange kind of uh, connections. So, like, Didier Gat is in it. Um, he was at Wraith Rovers at the time, and he was playing for Rangers in the final. Brian Cox was the Rangers manager. Not to give away, you know, the ending of the movie or anything, but Kanaki play Rangers in the final, JJ, of the Scottish Cup. And uh, Brian Cox is the is the manager. Um, and Fozzie Bear scores a bicycle kick. <laughs> Derek McInnes is in it as well. He's playing he? for Rangers at the time. Ian McCall's in it. Ian McCall, the party thistle manager. He's playing. Uh, he he winds up Ali McCoist um, when when Kilnocky are playing Queen of the South, and Ali McCoist knocks him out because he was talking about his wife, <laughs> Miss Piggy. Yeah. Oh, Gigi, you have to see this film. Where have you been for the last twenty years? I'm telling you, everything you just said fits into a Muppets movie. Anyway, we want <laughs> to football. Now, everyone, anyone who is listening to this, pressure JJ on Twitter to get this watched. Get it watched. Sorry, Laura, but we are going to talk about football now. We are going to be talking about Aberdeen's win over Motherwell. But first, we are actually going to talk about some real-life cup drama. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. I'm just a small cog in a big wheel, so I think it's a collective effort, and I'm just delighted that we've managed to take Livingston to a cup final. Again, nobody remembers how you get to the final. It's about getting to the final. David Martindale has been in charge of Livingston for 11 matches. He hasn't lost any of them, and now he's taken the Lions to a cup final. Scott Robinson with the only goal of Sunday's League Cup semi-final after 10 minutes as Levy beat St Mirren 1-0 at Hamden. And we're joined now by Andrew Semple from the Talk Levy podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Um, this... This change of manager, David Martindale coming in, 
the performance that he's doing, the, the job he's doing, it must have exceeded all your expectations. Yeah, I, I think it's a, an unprecedented period of success for the club, but I don't think, I mean, I sat here and spoke to you guys, however long ago it was now, about the departure of Gary Holt and the potential for new managers to come in. I think uh, Martindale coming in has exceeded all expectations to go 11 games unbeaten. I think that's actually a club record in the in the top flight now, um, to go 11 games unbeaten, to be sitting quite comfortably in the top six and to be in a now in a national cup final it's it's an an, an unbelievable achievement for for him and for the club can you explain it like what had it gone stale under gary holt like what's martindale done to get them flying like this i, I mean i don't think he's waved a magic wand I, I don't think anything's changed drastically from Gary Holt, I would say, you know, and I, I spoke at length uh, previously about the style in football, maybe slightly different under Gary Holt. We, we tried to play out from the back a little bit. Individual mistakes earlier in the season cost us a lot. But Davey, Davies came in, he's almost went back to, to proper basics. You know, we've, we've got players that know how to, to do the basics well. You know, we've got a, a good solid foundation a lot of the squad that are here now are still the squad that done us so well last season and and maybe just that that slight tweak in the system early in the season affected us a little bit but Martin Dales came in he's almost went back to the tried and tested the you know getting the ball as far away from our goal as possible and then play football in the right areas and 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 it's working and the players are comfortable and and they're playing for him and and what a difference it's it's been, and, and you know I say we're back to basics. It's not like we're we're just booting the ball along. We're still playing good football in the right areas, but the individual errors have completely disappeared from our game just now. Did you have any reservations at all about him coming in? I read he's not even been given the all clear by the SFA as a fit and proper person. He clearly knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, well. I had no reservations at all. Uh, Davey's been in and around the club for so long now. I've been fortunate enough to, to be in and around the club, not since COVID, obviously, but prior to that, interviewing players and, 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 and staff. And he's been nothing but terrific with, with myself and with the other guys on the podcast. I think you know, this whole fit and proper person test, he's, he's obviously his hearings coming up this week. You know, I think he's paid his debt to society, he's, he's held his hands up, he's admitted he's done wrong, but it was a long time ago. Uh, he's built his, his life back together. And as I say, he's been nothing but a, a, a really good person around the club. I mean, let's be honest, if he, if he fails to gain the approval of the SFA, I mean, I mean it, it, it kind of makes a mockery of them a little bit. They've got their own articles of inclusion, for example, you know, talking about inclusion and all the society getting football back together. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't trust the SFA as far as I could throw them, to be honest. Unfortunately, but the sheer hypocrisy if if Davies turned down. I mean, you just need to look at perfect example. You know, ex Levy player Declan Gallagher. Now, he he he's another one that's turned his life around. He was nothing but exceptional for Livingston Football Club when he was here. He's now in the national team. He has convictions in the past. You know, he's still in and around the national team. You had Malky Mackay in one of the top jobs in the SFA. We all know about his past. So, I mean, i got to say, if if they refuse him this fit and proper person test, I think there's a, a massive hypocrisy there. And I think the, 
the club will be will be showing that if it if it does go against them. I I think you're absolutely right there. I I, I look at David Martindale and I do see. You know, he's almost he's a triumph of rehabilitation, effectively, and all those other examples that you've given are absolutely right. But it, it's not all about Martindale as well, because there's there's been some star players um, in in the last few weeks or in the last living games. Um, but who do you think's been the star man? I mean, there's been a few, but I think Scott Robinson again showed at the weekend in the cup final just what a pest he is. You know, I, I think. You know, we spoke about earlier in the season. I think a major problem we had was replacing Lyndon Dykes, which, again, most teams in our position at our level would struggle with. But Robinson since came in, um, five foot seven, so he's not even a target man. But the amount of headers he wins, he's he's so technically very good on the ball. He flick ons, he, he puts himself about. He doesn't give defenders a minute, and he started to add goals to his game. And I don't. I, I didn't think he had it in him, to be honest, the scoring all these goals, but I think that's four and five or something like that now, and, and they're all terrific finishes and, and really good striking play. But I think as well, you know, our defending has been much improved. I think John Guffrey had a bit of an off spell at the start of the season, but in the 11 games that Davies taken charge, we've only conceded five goals now, two against Celtic with seven changes in our team, one of them an offside goal, Another one, a penalty. So we've, we've settled in at the back. John Guffrey's probably one in Scott Robinson. And not forgetting Josh Mullen, who's come in for Ross County, returned to the club. I think he's added a bit of flair and, and a bit of end product for your crosses. I think the inability to beat the first man was affecting us earlier in the season. But now the crosses are coming in the box and, and we're finishing them off. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Top man. Uh, Guys, what did you think of this game? Because on when I watched it, um, St Mirren, I, I kind of feel really, I think they're really unlucky, to be fair. I thought they were the much better side in the second half. But what's your thoughts, JJ, on the, the way the two teams came out? Livy started much better, and I think that's how they won the game, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the only goals come from a set piece. Set pieces are basically the theme of both semi-finals. Both games weren't amazing. But yeah, Livy started far more aggressive and like they, they turned up from the very start and they seemed quite ready to go whereas St Mirren almost seemed a little bit I don't know they are just off it a little bit and they didn't start playing until later in the game and by then it was kind of too late and they couldn't really force any chances but if you watch the highlights of this game um, let alone the full thing it's just a series oh of free kicks it's just free kicks <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that. They they eked it out to seven minutes. I saw, and I was like, "Oof!" <laughs> oh, jeez! Uh, yeah, really I mean, I, scraping the barrel. <laughs> Livingston were the better team, but all the chances created were from set pieces. I think I nothing would... nothing came from open play. It was but, but, all but, just. But JJ, the amount of the amount of chances St Mirren had, that I thought in the second half, um, it would have been. You know, I would have thought if it had gone to extra time, it would have been fair but these are the things with cup games Laura it doesn't matter you know how good you are or, or you know the form that you're in you just have to win these cup games and, and live here away to their final so oh god happy. yeah um, I, I agree it wasn't exactly a, a great game for neutrals it was quite a tense game I think you could see that from both sides but yeah as you touched on the Livy there I think this is it's a great story um, it's just a great story in terms of Scottish football but for them as a club as well um, I don't think Andrew touched on it too much but I just kind of wanted to delve into the last few years and look at just the kind of journey that Livy have been on um, and just, just kind of how much it means to them so I mean they were down they went down to the third division in 2009 um, after a lot of financial problems and they, they kind of went up through the years up and down up and down 
and eventually were chucked out of the first division again. So that was that was when they went into the admin the second time. And they spent their time working their way up and down and then they almost went bust again in 2015. And that was a risk of a third admin at that point. So there was a lot of kind of unrest with directors splitting and trying to wrestle control of the club and stuff. So it wasn't exactly the most har- har- harmonious place to be. Is that the correct word there? Um so then the kind of momentum started to kind of change when Martindale, well, a couple, maybe a couple of years after Martindale came in, I think he came in around 2014, um, and they kind of began their journey back to the top. And they went from promotion from League One to Championship, back to back, and it was kind of the, the consolidating for them. Um, they haven't been to a final since 2004, but I think that was like the greatest day in the club's history. It was It just meant so much to them. So to see a team kind of go from the the very bottom of Scottish football, work their way up in the journey that they have in such a short space of time as well, and amid all the problems financially and everything, I think this is a great story for them. And that's without even taking into consideration how good a run they've been on in recent weeks. I feel like if a team deserve it this season, it's Livy, just based on what they... Purely on this season, I think, based on what they've done in recent weeks in their football and the, the story they've brought to Scottish football. They're just exciting right now. They're just a really exciting team to have around. Maybe not necessarily just to watch their football, but they just bring something to Scottish football in terms of the narrative and the storylines. Yeah, the, the word redemption comes to my mind. There's a lot of redemption stories in this with the fact that David Martindale and the history of you know coming from you know prison and then working his way back into society and 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 to bringing positivity into people's lives you know you look at Scott Robinson that Andrew also mentioned a player who four years ago was at East Fife playing part-time football he gave himself a year to get back into full-time football he managed that you know a versatile midfielder and he's now he's now he's Livingston point man you know he's a number nine for them um these are these are so many players and so many people involved at Livingston that um, have worked so hard to get them to where they are now that, yeah, yeah, it would be a great story for them to win it. I Um, noticed another parallel. Um, So in 2004, the Levy captain that lifted the cup for them was Stuart Lovell. And he was a guy who'd been dumped out of Hibs just not long beforehand. Mm -hmm. This season, Bartley's the captain and he was just previously released from Hibs and he could follow in his footsteps and do something similar. Also, in 2004, they played in yellow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, so, they like you know, the colour You know And by the way, John O'Beaker's little trick To go around the boy and get into the box Was really good Sold, I think it was, he might have sold two players Like away Oh yeah, 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 that was class, sea. wasn't it? They're floating out to sea Singing one of those shanties that everyone's doing at the moment on the Twitters and he But gets I don't think it was a penalty, JJ well, Obviously not, he falls, falls to the floor yeah. He's looking for it, he's doing an anti-martial He's I think on TV and copying them I don't think St Mirren, um, you know, lost any any heart at all when they went one 0 down. I think they're really unlucky, and they they should keep their heads up. And I think they'll still do quite well in the league. But as one group of Saints fall short, another rose to the occasion because St Johnston's surprise smashing of Hibs is next. Ronaldo and Messi, a rivalry for our times. But like all those striving to be the best in their chosen field, they need each other. They drive each other on. Like me and Jeff, the other voiceover guy. Hey, Jeff? Introducing Introducing toothpaste. toothpaste. It's paste for your teeth. God, he's good. Well, something that is unrivaled is Paddy Power's offer of a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down. Paddy Power. Stay in your lane, Jeff. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambler.
On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slater. It's a neat pass from McCann to Rooney. What a ball that is! And they've got their third! It's Conway! Craig Conway makes it St Johnson 3, Hibernian 0. Hibs were the favourites to win the League Cup, but they were dismantled by St Johnston on Saturday at Hamden. Callum Davidson's men running out 3-0 winners. The 2014 Scottish Cup is the only major silverware the Saints have secured in their 137-year history, and we're joined by the man who wrote the book on that triumph, Our Day in May. It's Ed Hodge. Hello, Ed. Hi, guys. How you doing? All right? Yeah, yeah good. Nice. Yeah, not bad. Uh, how big a shock was this? 17 points separating the sides in the Premiership, but 3-0 seems quite one-sided. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't have said 3-0 uh, at the start of the day. Uh, I think the points difference, though, actually probably played in our favour. It was certainly notable to me in the, the days before the um, the semi-final and even on the on the day with the, the TV commentary that the, the points gap is, what, 17 points, as you said, and but really, from Fallen Saints, as I have from my from my laptop on, on most Saturday afternoons, uh, we haven't been putting chances away um, and, and really not had a lot of luck this season either. So I think the difference between the clubs it wasn't um, 17 points, but it probably played into our hands because it made the pressure all on Hibs. Uh, and obviously, the way things panned out, uh, that, that definitely helped us, although it, we certainly had to ride our luck in the first half. But once we got ahead... And then scoring goals at crucial times, uh, you know, Hibs really didn't have any way back. This is a bit of a weird question, but do you think St Johnston were the better team? Well, certainly we didn't play well for the first half hour. You know, I was obviously getting slightly worried looking at it because we were we were sitting deep and and soaking up pressure. They obviously the Murphy chance. He it's a great save from Xander for the first one, but he probably should finish the second one. Um, but I think we just kind of dug in. Obviously, we probably had a game plan maybe to try and soak up some pressure from Hibs anyway with the attacking flair that they have um, and then maybe wait as long as you know as long as we could for us to get a chance and then maybe Callum had the bench in mind as well because we had we actually had a really attack minded bench um, not that it was really needed because Stevie May was the only change from, from that I can recall coming on for Chris Kane late on so I, th- I think we just obviously took our chances at, um, when they came and it probably just floored Hibs. You know, there was times in the second half where I thought we were going to go and score four or five because we we really just totally bossed the second half. So it was a it was a complete turnaround in halves. And um, you know, fair. You know, I felt obviously at half time we were were fortunate to be ahead, but to uh, to play the way we did in the second half was tremendous. What do you make of Callum Davidson so far? The, the job he's done. Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously taking over from a club legend was, was going to be a huge task for anyone. Obviously, Callum was part of the success that Tommy had, so that obviously helped. Uh, a lot of fans certainly wanted him back at Perth, and it was great that the club managed to do that. Uh, and I think he start, uh, stamped his authority on the on the, the team already. He's, um, you know, the, the Tommy had managed to reduce the age of the squad, uh, which obviously helped him. And he, um, Callum, on top of that, is, is playing a brand of football that. I don't think Saints fans maybe expected either. It's uh, obviously with the front three and a, a, a young defence. We've played a lot of good football this season and, and the big frustration, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, is, is tearing your hair out on a Saturday because we uh, we certainly have should have more points than we deserve and, and hopefully the result on 
uh, at the weekend there will allow us to kick on and uh, and hopefully pick up some key ones in the league ahead of, ahead of the final at the end of February. Callum's got a really good chance of you know emulating uh, Tommy Wright in his first season because Tommy Wright took St Johnston to the Scottish Cup final and won that. Um, how does Callum Davidson's team compare to to back in 2014? Yeah, Tommy had obviously been on the books for a while anyway as as, as goalkeeping coach. You know, Steve Lomas actually brought him in, and, and Tommy had that grounding. But you're right; it was his first full season in charge, um, and a, a, a fantastic team was moulded if if you look back to that 2014 team it was it was based on experience in defence uh, Fraser Wright Stephen Anderson Dave Mackay Brian Easton <laughs> that's a pretty solid back four uh, we had a solid midfield too but we also had that creativity with even uh, Wotherspoon at the time as well uh, Anno Halloran Chris Miller in the midfield there as well and then up top we had that great threat with May and McLean so I think it was obviously built on experience and a, a real hard uh, we were a really hard team to beat and I think if you look at the current side it's obviously the, the age demographics come right down but it's probably based on similar themes because the, the defence that we now have with McCart, Gordon and Kerr um, really strong on, on their day we've been disrupted a little bit with uh, injuries and, and suspensions and, and such like but they're a strong base and we, we have that creativity in midfield as well so you know and, and probably strikers to choose from now as well, particularly with, with Melamed coming back into the fray as well now, um, and Kane and May. The players are there, and it, it, there's actually parallels with, with 2014 already, albeit they are uh, as a younger squad. Thank you, Ed Hodge. Okay, let's talk about this one, guys. Um, Hibs, it feels like, like I said in the intro, they were favourites, and they've gone and lost their second cup semi-final. And... Three months, I think. You know, they they lost uh, in the Scottish Cup. They've lost another one. How much pre is Jack Ross under pressure now? He, sh- he shouldn't be. They were so much better in this game. They had all the ball. They played some really nice football, and uh, St Johnston scored from two. Just not even good set pieces. Like Jason Kerr scores the first at the back post from a corner, and he manages to be. I think St Johnston actually might be two v one. Uh, I don't. I can't work out who the player is below him when he makes the header. But uh, the defender comes out. He has him to his back. He's sort of sandwiched. The defender comes away from him that goes back towards him and then it's too late to get a jump on him. The second goal is as a free kick. I mean, they'll practice this in training over and over again from these exact same like positions. Everyone will know what the role is. Yet here, again, so the boy Rooney turns up to head it from near the penalty spot. And again, it's 2v1. Hibs' players maybe are losing their, their men, not doing their jobs properly. Maybe that is an example of them hibsing it, if you want to call it that, and that they're not turning up with that right mentality, taking responsibility. It's that kind of thing like, oh, I'll do my job. Oh, it's in. Oh, no. When it, If you're desperate to win, you're like, right, I'm taking him because I've seen him move. Like, I'll go and get him. That difference in... Do you, do you, see, you see what I mean? Yeah, also, absolutely. Some, some, some players just let people go because someone else might deal with it or they're a little bit nervous. It might be that. Maybe the different environment at Hamden, maybe... I'm not sure they hibs it, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of look at the when people say they hibs it. It's not just always about the result, but sometimes how you react to goals. And when hibs went down two 0 I thought their heads went, and I I just thought like um you know we heard from Ed. Ed actually said that they could have scored a couple more. Well, that's it because St Johnston had them. As soon as St Johnston went to the lead, you knew they were in trouble because mm. they could just sit back, absorb all the pressure, like we're saying, and um. 
and, and just get at them. And like the third goal they score, they, they had a couple of opportunities to win the ball back before they put it in to score at the back post. But you can see then Hibbs is not quite at it. And like Jamie Murphy should have scored to open it. And if he had, it would have changed the entire game because then they could have sat back and brings Johnson to them, hit them on the counter. It's just that whoever scored that first goal was, I think, always going to win this game, weirdly. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Hibbs did hit, hit the woodwork twice yeah. in the first half. Um, they, they were, were really far good. better than the team. I mean, Jack Ross said himself he, he was happy at half time. It's just in the second half. And I think you're right, JJ. It's, it's players not rising to the occasion. Um, but Laura, what do you think? Is Jack Ross under pressure? Because he, he, a lot of people have seen, uh, you know, mentioning his post-match interview with the BBC. We played well first half. The second half, we didn't react well in any way. And so I think you feel as if you're asking me the same question, you're going to get the same answer, which is just as that doesn't. If you could go on for a while and become very boring for a day, because I've explained it and I've accepted my responsibility will be there all the time because I'm the manager. So I think that the line of question is, is becoming a little bit tiresome, for want of a better word, and I think it's about time you start to show a bit of greater respect, not just to me, but to other managers that are in this job. Yeah, not not the only under-fire manager to have a wee bit of a flaky in an interview um, with the BBC this week. <laughs> <laughs> Love that I, I phrase. Think, I think it was um, a wee bit of a kind of precious reaction, I think. Um, look, I don't don't really think he should be under pressure as JJ was saying but I get that the Hibs fans are not happy right now um, they're they're saying he's out of his depth they're saying he can't tackle the big games they're embarrassed by what happened at the weekend it's, there's a lot of things they're not happy about right now but I don't think their run is really that bad uh, when you look at the context of things they haven't won since Christmas I, I get that but he like try Halloween <laughs> that's not a great one either <laughs> but anyway um, I, I think the joke can I say like, the Hibs um, Hibs Twitter account I think was quite telling um, during the game because these things tend to echo how the fans are feeling um, they kind of try to gauge and, and put out the right things because they don't want the backlash and there, there were updates during the game on like 10 minutes 13 minutes 19 minutes 22 26 30 and then the goals went in and then it was just goal updates and just subs and that was it um and then just a full-time tweet which of course ratioed um so I don't think it's not all kind of happy days right now to be a Hibs fan um I get it They're, they've started off really well they want to be pushing for Europe the Hibs are a big club but Things do go wrong sometimes, and I think Jack Ross, I don't think he deserves the pressure he's getting right now. Exactly. And the thing is, as well, is that if he's been criticised for his performance, whatever it is, the team, there's nothing wrong with the team selection he put out. He, he changed his shape. They've been a 4 1 4. Last time he played St. Johnson, they drew two all, and it was a 4 1 4 1 he played. He obviously saw something that where he thought a better system for this might be to match him with a back three. And then he played Murphy in the hole behind uh, two strikers. He had Boyle and, um, and Nisbet up front. And it made perfect sense. And uh, the problem they've got is trying to break down a team who are going to sit back and stop them from doing it. And they, I thought they played some really nice football in the final third. The passing was quick, a lot of movement, but they just weren't getting the ball in the back net. Like I said, hit the post, a few good opportunities. But if you look at even all this kind of... You get loads of stuff on Scout. We can look at behind the scenes and under the hood, whatever, like I always say. But one of the things that's interesting about this game for me was that the players who touched the ball the most or had made the most passes for Hibs were, and this is often the case, the back three. Because all they were do- they had more of the ball because they were having to pass to each other and they weren't really able to progress it forward the way they wanted to because of the way St Johnston were playing. And St Johnston's, I think the players who maybe had the most touches or certainly involved the most passes are basically their forwards because the ball was getting put up to them really quickly. So they weren't on the ball as much as Hibs. But Hibs were being kept really quiet. 
but the team selection was good. So the thing you've got to have there is the players need to... Is it Jack Ross's fault that players maybe didn't turn up at the time? Because there's no way he didn't prepare them for the set pieces. There's no way they weren't prepared. And then if they uh, don't step up at the right times, that's down to the player. And then that's up to Jack Ross to know for over time who to replace, who to bring in, or put in that mentality, which takes a lot of time. You can't do it in one season. Sure, but I think I think regardless of you know tactics and whatnot, um, ultimately footballers go out on that pitch to to win games and to entertain their fans, to get fans what the, the result that they require. And we can understand Hibs fans' frustrations that they're not going to make a cup final. And the heat intensifies when Celtic and Rangers aren't in the cups. So this this could be this could have been Hibs' best chance in you know a few years of of lifting a trophy who knows if they get into this situation again in the next couple of years so i can understand that their frustration so we, we've got st johnston and livingston in the final on the 28th of february i think both teams have only got one major honor in their cabinet as well st johnston with the scottish cup livingston with the league cup um so it should be you know an interesting uh build up to the game but after the break we're going to move on to the premiership because there was big wins for aberdeen and for rangers Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Aberdeen inflicted a first defeat on Graham Alexander as Motherwell manager. 2 0, it finished at Pataudry as the Steelman's winless run extends to 13 games. I wonder if the game hinged on the red card um, for dissent by Liam Polworth um, just a couple of minutes into the second half, and it was a confusing moment. JJ was putting on the our WhatsApp group what happened when I saw the highlights. I, I couldn't really figure out what happened. But Laura, what happened? You were there. Um, so Polworth was obviously running um, forward in attack not long into the second half. Uh, Ferguson fills him, he pulls him back, um, kind of twists his arm round. And I think Polworth just kind of took umbrage to the fact that the way his arm was pulled and had a little bit of a, a shout about Ferguson uh, saying what he did was bad. And maybe, maybe so not the nicest have language. My arm, he said. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the nicest language. Yeah. But the ref, I think, thought he was saying the bad words to him instead of about Ferguson. So uh, that's that's Paul Worth's claim. Um, obviously, uh, when it comes down to it, these things, can't be appealed because when you think about it, it's it's his word against the refs. No one can really can approve it. But that is the argument because um, Paul Worth obviously went off holding his shoulder, his arm. And complaining after the foul, so it was it was a strange one. Um, it was very frustrating, also to lose a key player like that as well. It did change the game as well because obviously go behind at that stage, and you've got to change your shape. Well, not even change your shape, but just change your kind of approach to the game, and you're you're struggling. I mean, <laughs> playing at Patoji at the best of times is hard, but playing with ten men when you're a goal behind, especially in a season when Motherwell and and most clubs when you look at it um the stats across the, the whole board of the the premiership 
it's very difficult to come from behind this season. Motherwell haven't done it. Um, it's, it's a problem that I think that we need to overcome. We haven't equalised or turned a game around. So when you, you see the team going behind and then you see the, the, the player going off, you just think, right, this is a very big mountain to climb now. Um, and I think that's just, that, that was kind of, I think, what changed the game because it was unnecessary mountains that we had to climb at the weekend. Um, I don't know if... I'd like to know, JJ, what you thought of the, the Ojo handball incident because I think that was another maybe big mountain that we had to climb because it was another incident that didn't go in our favour. I mean, I don't even... I watched the game, I don't remember that. What what did he do? So, basically, when um, Seedorf has a shot and uh, Ojo comes to block the shot, it actually hits his arm three times, two of which could is quite feasibly a penalty. Uh, so it hits him the first time, he puts his arm up, it hits his hand, and then it bounces off the ground and it almost traps, he traps it under his arm. So he's you know, protecting it against his chest. And then it bounces again and it hits kind of the kind of armpit area, which I know is not a penalty. Um, that's, that's okay. But the first two <laughs> incidences are definitely a handball. Um, it's the most blatant handball you will see. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've managed to find that clip now. I think I'd be, I can get why you say it's a handball. I think it'd be really harsh if it was given. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's one of those that you're like, definitely a penalty. But I can see why you'd say it's a penalty. I think Aberdeen um, sort of were the better team and didn't really create any chances other than set pieces. I think the red card probably definitely helped. I mean, obviously it helped, but pretty... I mean, pretty uncreative uh, in general. I think McInnes changed the setup a little bit. It was more of like a 4-1-4-1. I think it looked so much better with a back four because they had an extra player in attack. And shockingly, uh, Funzo Ojo was all right, which was a, a good, a massive boost. That's because he was playing as a second goalkeeper for you guys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty harsh. He was, do- he was doing what he was meant to be good at, playing between the two lines and playing short passes. He still doesn't seem to like taking it on the half turn and moving towards goal. He likes to show for the ball and pass it backwards. And I'm not sure how much you need to be doing that every single time, but that's what he does. Um, one thing you will have noticed in this game, I thought Scott Wright was excellent. Again, it's a real shame he's now off to Rangers because I think this is his first proper season where he's really kind of come into his own. He was at, mm. He's been alone at Dundee, did all right there. Yeah. He's been fits and bursts in the first team broken through one of the complaints a lot of Aberdeen fans have about McInnes he never plays young players he's brought through loads and and Wright is one of them that's managed to come in and do I think really well Uh, some Aberdeen fans aren't happy he's going to Rangers I think it's a good move for him Uh, I don't know if he'll get in the team but if he does he has to do the work to get in the first team if he does I mean that's him to win league titles compete properly in cups uh, play in a team that creates chances to score (laughs) Uh, and that's going to suit someone like him who likes playing with the ball at his feet. Why Why do you think it's a good move for him? Just because of those potentials that he, uh, he it, could win trophies? He'll triple, quadruple his wage easily. He's then going to uh, be amongst different coaches, which I think is useful at this stage of his career because he's only had the same coaches the entire time, basically. He's been uh, aged. I think he's 23. I mean, going to, to there now, he's got Stephen Gerrard, he's got um, Michael Beale's coach, Gary McAllister. It's a different... Uh, different coaches. It's not to say the standard isn't good at Aberdeen. I'm sure it's really high, but uh, you go you go there and suddenly get to play in European games. You've got the chance for that. It's a higher level to test himself at. If he's going to get anywhere, he will play at a higher level. Uh, sure enough, it's the natural enemy of Aberdeen fans. But I think you can be mature enough to accept it's probably good for your work. And a lot of footballers, I think, treat it as a business and work. It's like if you work for one oil company and another oil company who you really don't like <laughs> offers you a job for four times the wages. Go to the other oil company. 
Uh, he, he did have some lovely touches in that game. I, I also thought Ryan Hedges was good in this game, JJ. He's back from suspension. I just wonder, is he is he the only major spark for Aberdeen this season? Is he? Did yes. they miss him when he's... Yeah, really. <laughs> yes, him, him and Wright. Uh, Marley Watkins is really good and he was playing. Hedges is just, just playing really well at the moment. Like I said before in this podcast, I think he's stepping up because he knows that now is the time for him to try and prove what he needs to do. I don't know, Lauren might probably agree. I think he was the only one really taking the ball and running at people. Kennedy had a better game in this, but he's one of the only ones I think you'd have to really fear about creating something. Well, well what about what about Fox in the box, Andy Considine, coming up with his 40th goal for the Dons as well? Yeah, but it's another chance for a set piece. <laughs> like, it's so... It, uh, there wasn't much created in open play. They did okay. Cosgrove started, but still, still nothing really been created from open play. And I'm not... I really want to work out why it is. Uh, but two, yeah, two goals and two set pieces. Tommy Hoban's head are really good. Constantine, the the dream machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll call him that. I don't know why I come up with that now. But uh, Constantine, the dream machine, scores the winner. Aberdeen march on, predictably to third. It's not very exciting. You're 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 but you know it's great. This is <laughs> it's great. But it is. But, the thing but, but it's not particularly enjoyable to watch. But and, I mean, and yet JJ, it. and yet. You still have a lot of um, Aberdeen fans that are really unhappy with with McInnes, and and quite rightly so after the Ross County game that they lost. But they've won this game. Is there anything to suggest that that McInnes, you know, has the support of the majority of Aberdeen fans? Uh, I don't know. Aberdeen fans can be often quite fickle and quite quite. There's this kind of idea that a lot of them are tied to the '80s and the Ferguson years. But there, I guarantee you. There were people in the 80s who thought Alex Ferguson didn't know what he was doing and should be playing more like Brazil or something like that. On, on, I, I bet 100%. I think I've met people like that. So I'm not saying McInnes is Ferguson. I think I think he's a very talented manager, McInnes, and I think he's where he is just now, he's doing as good a job as he probably could do. I think different styles of managers might get more at different players, might play in a more attacking way. But then you might find with people like Jack Ross, for example, who plays that more—he plays football more the way I like to watch. Um, but he doesn't maybe win things, and McInnes has won stuff and keeps achieving that third place. So if you're looking at a team you want to keep Aberdeen in third, McInnes is your man because he will consistently deliver that. But yeah, yeah, it's everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, well, speaking of fine, Rangers are pretty fine. Um, maintained they were their awesome in this game. The, yep. Some of the goals are so good. Sorry, do your little bit. Sorry. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> Let me do my little bit. It's the only bit I get to do. <laughs> but yeah, 100% home record continued. Uh, 23 points clear now at the top of the Premiership. And 5-0 drubbing of Ross County, who have had a little bit of a resurgence of late. But that's 22 league wins this season. It's the most of any top division side in the world. Uh, Moldovan side Sheriff are the next best on 18 wins. And, you know, that's not me saying this. This is this is a special shout-out to Statman David Todd for that one. Um, but, yeah, Rangers, just outstanding, JJ. Uh, Joe Arable's goal is absolutely super. If you've not seen the highlights of this or the game oh, or class, whatever, yeah. try to see, see Arable's goal. That is a top-class player. The touch he takes to... To beat the defender to set Charlie himself up Lacken. for the next touch, he's a lacking right? And then, and the finish is amazing. But the, the first touch I think is is phenomenal. Ryan Jack's goal is unbelievably good. <laughs> like that's proper football. That's how I want teams to play. Pass, move, pass, move. 
this with 30 passes in the build up to it as well. Is that right? Oh, I think so. Uh, I mean, he he was back inside after two months out, wasn't he? He was, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he was missed as well. What a great way to mark your return to the team. For someone who was sorely missed to come back and complete a goal, a t- such a good team goal like that. Yeah. As you're saying, yeah, as you're saying, JJ, the goals were brilliant in this game. So Kent had his slipping header um, at the start into the top corner. Helland had his um, bullet header. And that's um, the two tidy finishes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was also the arable goal and Jack. And then it feels like Golson was just sort of the boring one of the game, but it was still a good goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a, a normal afternoon, you'd be like, yeah, that's great. But on an afternoon like that, you're just like, wow, that was really, really good. Good entertainment. I think this was as good as Rangers have played all season. Jack's goal here is like an example of, of like great coaching and players being coached to play that way. Ross County, by now, well, they're, they're 3-0 down at the time. And so they're pretty much, they're, they're not full of confidence, but they're they're playing to not concede anymore. But the way they're cut open, that's, that's how you do it. It's the tempo of passing, it's the first touch, it's the confidence to take them on, and it draws defenders out of the way. It's it's kind of what Hips and Aberdeen would be wanting to do, but it's just so hard to do without the players, and it they made it look really easy. As fluid as Rangers were, um, I, I do take a little bit of umbrage with Ross County's defending. I'm pretty sure uh, John Hughes would be pretty better? happy. Yeah, but the, the thing is, like, you know, strong. <laughs> no, just, just, just follow your man and be a bit more alert. It's, 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 I'm thinking about the the Ryan Jack goal, and I see Ollie Shaw engages with him, um, but then doesn't doesn't follow him. I know he's playing centre forward because Ian Viger should have picked him up afterwards. And the the, the, yeah. the disparity between midfield and defence, the midfield were just allowing Rangers midfielders to bream into the totally uh, agree. into the box. And it's just, it's not good enough if you're a Ross County fan and Does you're looking at your team. It must be hard to get tight though, like Slavin. It must be hard to get tight to men like that because you know they're faster. Maybe it's an effort, I don't know what it is, but you see them go past yeah, you and you but, sort of let them go. But and I'm not, I'm not... I'm not taking away from from how good Rangers were. I just think Ross County made it a little bit easy for them. And and it's little moments where you are thinking, Ian Vigers, who's captain of Ross County, sees Ryan Jack running into the box and you look at Vigers, doesn't react. There's no reaction. So it's, it's, I mean, Yogi will be absolutely kicking a wall at some of the defending. Um, But we have to look at Rangers throughout the season. And I, and I, there is a big suggestion that they can go on to the end of the season unbeaten. What do you think about Rangers becoming invincibles, JJ? I think they're going to lose one silly game to Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what do you think? Uh, I can see it happening, to be honest. I, I definitely can. The way they're going, the performances they're, they're putting in, there's just no let-off just now. Who's going who's gonna to take them on? Would, Where's would, it coming from? What What about if if they do achieve uh, becoming invincibles, the, the comparison will naturally be thrown into the mix of of um, Celtic, Brendan Rodgers, their invincible season um, of twenty sixteen seventeen. Is it comparable? Does it matter? I think maybe the only kind of comparison you could make is twenty sixteen seventeen was the first year Rangers were back in the top flight, so perhaps Rangers fans would argue, well, we weren't at our strongest. We were just kind of finding our feet again after a few years out. So it wasn't a real test. Whereas this year, it's a more even keel in that sense. So they would probably argue that their achievement was better if that was the case. But we're nowhere near near that yet. There's still a long way to go. What we really need is another reason for Rangers and Celtic fans to argue or who is the best in a way that it cannot possibly be decided. I'm glad just, that this is a thing again. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
Well, look, we, we are we are nearing the end, and that does mean that we're nearing an end for our winner in our fantasy football Scotland league because we're going to talk about that now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Game week 25 in Fantasy Football Scotland, only two games, but it was a bumper weekend for Rangers and Aberdeen defenders, especially Hellander, Goldson, Hoban, Considine, all the merry band uh, who got on the score sheet that weekend. What are you saying, guys? Oh, actually, JJ, did you still have Considine in your team? Did I? Of course I had Considine in my team. He wasn't captain <laughs> so, this week. He plays every week. question. No matter who Aberdeen play against. I've captained him a few times, not this week. Um, yeah, yeah. I think James Tavernier is my captain, but he's uh, he start miss- missing penalties. That's what he does now. Two in a row. Yeah, yeah. that's what he does now. He's just a missed penalty. Do you think he'll? I wonder who'll take the next penalty for Rangers. I think James Tavernier will probably still take it. I mean, he's the most. <laughs> he's the captain. He's the man. He's the top scoring player in the game. You have to have him and Barisic, and I'm starting to think Goldson's a boy you need in now as well. Yeah, I switched Barisic um, for Goldson. I just put, I actually wild carded this weekend, uh, just yesterday. Do you have three Rangers players though? Yes, I do. Uh, Kent's mother one. Kent? Yeah, Kent's my vice captain. Um, I I don't, yeah, they're definitely the best ones to have. Look, having your, yeah, okay, he misses penalties and loses you points for missing penalties. Thanks for that. Um, the last time he did it, I got minus two from for that entire weekend, but I think he's clean sheet this time. Meant he did quite well, plus captain double points as well. But look, he's, the penalties are a bonus. Even him scoring goals are a bonus. The assists that he'll get and the clean sheets he's keeping is enough to give you a ni- nice, tasty little goals tally. Eh, points tally, sorry. <laughs> He is top of the of the assist chart. Yanis Hadji is um, joint top assister in the Premiership with nine assists. He's five million. Could be one you could sneak in there if you're doing a wild card like Laura. I like Hadji. He's a decent player. He always seems to be doing something in front of goal. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I think, think he's good when Rangers are good. I, 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 sure. I, I have questions on his pace sometimes, but you know, I did say I am second. Do you get points for pace in fantasy football? No, you do get points <laughs> for goals. Uh, Joe Arabo, I think, is a really decent player. By the way, you should maybe look at him. Um, I think Celtic players will be forwards going forward. I think they're going to come back hard. I've just got a feeling about it. Um, really? I see someone's written down Scott Robinson. Is that you, Slavin? That was me. Yeah. What do you think of him? I quite like him. I like him for four million. Um, and I just looking at um, he's just. What's that? I, I've said this before on the podcast and I get absolutely ripped for it. It's like it's riding the crest of a wave. Uh, because, what is it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Four goals in his last seven. Uh, he's got one assist in there. He's he's a versatile midfielder, but he's been playing up front for, for Livingston since you know early December. Um, I just think, and he's scored a couple of worldies. I think Livingston will be a positive team until the end of the season. He could be one to just sneak in there if you've got the money. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, what takes your fancy this week, pal? None of your damn business. 
However, if it's football odds you're asking about, I'm liking the look of what I like to call the League Cup double. That is Livingston to beat Kilmarnock and St Johnston to beat Aberdeen. Five to one, the odds of Paddy Power. I like it because it might happen and it makes JJ sigh internally as he contemplates an Aberdeen defeat away at St Johnston on a cold Wednesday night. The big question is, who can break Rangers' unbeaten record in the Premiership? Will it be Hibbs? Jack Ross's men are 11-2 with Paddy Power to emerge victorious at Easter Road on Wednesday. Rangers are 3-1 to go the rest of the Premiership season unbeaten. That's assuming all games are completed. 3-1. Oh my God, it's going to happen, isn't it? That's quite... Oh. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only, T's and C's apply, and when the fun stops, stop. Alright guys, let's finish off the show looking ahead to Wednesday night um, starting at Hibs against Rangers um, Hibs have been good against Rangers this season, they drew uh, two all at Easter Road in September um, Rangers snuck a 1-0 win at Ibrox and Boxing Day but um, do we think that there's any threat against Rangers um, going ahead to Wednesday? What do you think JJ, I'll go to you first oh, They had a little tactical approach last time they played them where they seemed to find weaknesses but weren't quite able to do anything about it because their players aren't as good as Rangers so I'm going to shockingly predict that Rangers might win this one Ooh. Yeah. Good, Laura what do you think going into this? Yeah I think it's, it's always a good game when they, they pair meet each other but it's a chance for Hibs to kind of answer some critics maybe after their, their semi-final um, Jack Ross maybe uh, although we were kind of backing him saying he doesn't have a point to prove it is maybe a chance for him to to prove something though even though I don't think he's under fire to it's maybe for him to kind of send a message out um, through his boys in saying that though I can't see anything but a Rangers win how do you send a message out how would you send a message out by know. winning or, or getting a good performance he always wants um, to win even on a draw yeah of course um, but uh, Laura sticking with you Ross his message could be making them lose play Are all you- the players on the wings <laughs> that could be a message. Like when you go rogue in Football Manager or something. Anyway, sorry. Ross County Motherwell, yes. Don't disturb my flow. Laura, you off to Dingwall on Wednesday? Yes, I am. For the very long journey there and back. <laughs> Give us your prediction. Um, hopefully better than the first game of the season, which was up in Dingwall, um, which was a annoyingly 1-0 defeat to Motherwell. It was Liam Donnelly's last game, actually, before he went out injured. We've badly missed him this season um, hopefully he's not too far away now in terms of his, his recovery I think Polworth is obviously going to be a big miss I uh, don't know yet how ready O'Hara is are you he... sticking are you are you being Motherwell Media here and not giving me a prediction um, I'm not going to give a prediction you don't want to jinx the team definitely not <laughs> I definitely don't want to jinx anything I'm, I'm, it's a three and a half hour journey there <laughs> one way I'm not going to jinx it two days in advance no chance come on, come on, come on JJ what, what's the score going to be in this one uh, uh, I don't know. No, no. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Livingston though, I can predict this one. I'm going to put a game of Pro Evo on, and I'm going to. You know that? The, the thing in The Simpsons, the water thing that he hits the button again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. put that just on the, on the shoot button, and it's just going to be two teams mashing the ball from back to front to back to front, and it ends maybe 1 0, 0 0. 1-0, I don't know. It'd be much the same probably in St. Johnson Aberdeen, but maybe with the ball on the ground slightly longer. Well, the, the, this fixture um, this season um, has always been won by the away side, so maybe Kilmarnock will be the winners. Laura, quick word on that? That game, Livingston-Kilmarnock? Yeah, I, I again, 
can't really see it going any other way apart from Livingston, the way that they're playing just now. Um, I know Kelly won their previous two ties um, of this fixture, but no, the way Kelly are going, the way Livy are going just now, I definitely, I'm going to home <laughs> win. <laughs> definitely, Livy. Uh, St Johnston Aberdeen, two wins out of two for the Dons against St Johnston this season. JJ, a winning run for Aberdeen. Are they going to go on it? I've, like I said earlier a minute ago it's just going to be two teams kind of cancelling each other out probably a draw maybe an Aberdeen 1-0 win no idea uh, you always say 1-0 for Aberdeen <laughs> Laura, I know the draw definitely a draw in this one a draw okay um, what about Celtic against Hamilton 5-0 Celtic it's happening they're going to go hard on them I'm calling it that's why you put the players in your fantasy football team oh, I think uh, Celtic have gone four league games without a win um, which is a a run that dates back to like twenty one years. They haven't they haven't achieved that. Achieved is maybe the wrong word <laughs> that you'd want to use. But Hamilton have only won once at Celtic in the last eighty two years. That was back in twenty fourteen. So I, I kind of think Celtic are are, are going to win this quite easily. Um, Hamilton don't tend to do well against Celtic Rangers this season. But Laura, final word. Celtic. Celtic, nice and quick, Chris. crazy prediction. You asked for a word. You said final word. The, the word is Celtic. <laughs> Giving me your best, Gordon Strachan. I love it. Um, okay, Dundee United versus St Mirren. Laura, give me a few more words. <laughs> I think this will be a very boring game. <laughs> this tends to be a, a um, trend right now with Dundee United games. Both teams not, eh, not really firing all cylinders. It's a hard one to call. Interesting. Well, yeah, maybe a, a goalless draw. Well, I think this will be a very exciting game. Probably a 7-9 to one of the teams. And that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. 7-9. Yes. Bloody hell. Uh, I think St Mirren are actually quite good. I think they play quite uh, good football. Um, But Dundee United are very difficult to beat. uh, So I'm still going to say, I'm going to say a Dundee United win. 2-0. There you go. Shout out to Wraith Rovers who won 3-2 at Tynecastle on Saturday in the Championship. Uh, it's the first time Hearts have failed to win a home game this season. Two defeats in three matches for Robbie Nielsen's men now. Um, but I think they're still going to win the Championship. I, I've got no doubt of that, eh, JJ? Are you predicting everything? What's going on? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I don't know. Mystic's level. <laughs> I'll tell you how they did it at the end of the season if they do. Um, I'll tell you what, though. It was a good win for um, for Queen's. We've taken 10 points from a possible 12 now, um, so I'm well chuffed. We're off the bottom, we seem to have a bit of a gap now, so that's good. Are you playing for them, are you? I should be. <laughs> I Use of we, I nice. see, neutral journalist. Yeah. I yeah, see you. Very. Um, well, listen, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening, thanks JJ, thanks Laura, thanks to Ed Hodge and Andrew Semple as well, and also to the Little Kicks for this awesome wee theme song that's sending us off. We'll be back next Tuesday. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Me's Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.